It is June 2020. Nepal's health department calls a meeting of its partners working in maternal and child health to deal with a critical shortage of mesoprostol, a drug used to stop excessive bleeding after childbirth, a leading killer of new mothers in Nepal. Media have been reporting a shortage of the drug throughout the country and a spike in the number of women who bled to death after delivering at home during the COVID-19 pandemic. Surya Bata of One Heart Worldwide, an international nonprofit working in Nepal, attends the meeting. You know, during the time of COVID last year, so much news came about the maternal death, so much. And a lot of public outcry, media. We were watching very closely what is happening there. So we learned that the process did not start it earlier. I think province government also could not start the procurement process earlier. And there was already a gap. And then COVID, so all, all supplies just got destroyed. For Bata, governments, including provincial governments, had waited too long to procure the next shipment of misoprostol. There was going to be a gap in supplies regardless. But then COVID-19 arrived and supply chains became twisted and unmovable. After the meeting, One Heart reaches out to its usual sources for misoprostol in Nepal, a neighboring India, but nothing is available. Finally, Bata approaches a colleague at another nonprofit, Direct Relief. He, in turn, calls a contact at global drug maker Pfizer and, bingo, Pfizer agrees to provide 34,000 doses of misoprostol. Simultaneously, the Nepal office of the UN Population Fund, UNFPA, contacts its headquarters in New York. It, too, succeeds. The agency approves the request to source nearly 500,000 doses of misoprostol, a one-year supply. Because COVID-19 has slowed production globally, it is January 2021 before both shipments of the drug arrive in Nepal. Welcome to Nepal Now, I'm Marty Logan. As you've likely heard, Nepal is in the throes of a second wave of COVID-19. This has raised fears that, just like during and after the lockdown of 2020, women will be using reproductive, maternal and child health services much less than usual, or as necessary. One result is likely to be more births taking place in risky home settings. Today, we're going on the road to visit two such homes. We set out to track what seemed to be a magic pill used to protect pregnant women. But the trip morphed into a quest to understand why more than 1,000 Nepali women a year continue dying during what should be one of the best experiences of their lives, childbirth. It is March 2021. I'm standing in the doorway of a single-room, concrete house in a village, a half-day drive from Nepal's capital, Kathmandu. In front of me is the place on the bare floor where Dilmaya Tamang gave birth a week before. On either side is a small wooden bed, one for the parents, with folded blankets and clothing piled on it, the other bed for their two sons. 
Sunlight squeezes in between the corrugated iron roof and a concrete wall, where a framed picture of the two boys is hanging. Sitting on the porch with her baby next to her, a lump wrapped in layers of blankets despite the hot midday sun, Dilmaya tells us there were no complications in the birth of this, her third child, who came two weeks early. She says that she took the three pills in the foil strip of mesoprostol after delivering the placenta, as instructed by a health volunteer, Nirmaya, who gave her the pills early the same day. Nirmaya is Dilmaya's sister-in-law and lives next door. While goats whinny and foraging chickens are chased away by the group that has gathered around us on the porch, Nirmaya tells us she knows that pregnant women who are at high risk because they might give birth at home are supposed to be given the pills in their eighth month of pregnancy. But she decided to hold on to her sister-in-law's mesoprostol until her delivery day. I was going to give it to sister-in-law the other day but I thought she might forget where she put it, so I put it away in my house. I live right next door. In 2005, Nepal's health department launched a pilot project in Banke district to see if mesoprostol could be provided to mothers who were likely to give birth at home in order to prevent excessive bleeding after delivery. The condition was one of the leading killers of new mothers countrywide. Based on the project's success, the program became official in 2009 and the department predicted that the three-pill package would be handed out to at-risk pregnant women in all 75 districts within a year. Today, mesoprostol is distributed in just 56 districts, but not always, and not always on time. A few minutes' walk away, Dilmaya's neighbors, Priya Tamang and her husband Chiring, are also sitting on the porch of their house when we arrive, Priya holding their month-old baby. Like Dilmaya, she has also given birth to a third child, a girl, but unlike her neighbor, Priya did have excessive bleeding. Luckily, it stopped on its own. She delivered the baby at home with her husband, mother-in-law, and neighbors at her side. The bleeding might have been prevented had Priya also taken the three mesoprostol pills, but she didn't have them. In fact, she received them only three days after giving birth. My son was born at three in the morning and daughter at about ten after six in the morning at home. This last one was quite difficult. I lost a lot of blood and maybe also lost some confidence too. I felt like I couldn't do it. I spend only a few hours in Chimling village that day. And of course, it's only one village in one of 753 municipalities in Nepal's 77 districts. On my trip, I also learned that only 27% of pregnant women in this district, Sindhu Palchok, deliver here. Others go to larger hospitals in Kathmandu or neighboring districts. But still, 
At the end of the day, I feel strongly that my focus on mesoprostol and the outstanding work done to source the drug during COVID-19 has distracted me from delving into the numerous other barriers that prevent many of Nepal's pregnant women from safely giving birth. I'll have more about those obstacles in a moment. Nirmaya Tamang has been a female community health volunteer in Chimling village for more than two years. In that time, she has counseled 10 pregnant women to go for regular checkups and provided them with vitamins and other supplements. Yet all 10 gave birth at home instead of in a health facility, bucking the trend towards safer births. Pre-COVID, Nepal had managed to increase the rate of institutional deliveries to about two-thirds of women. Nirmaya says she counsels women to use the health facilities and collect cash incentives the government offers for doing so, but they ignore her. Yes, they give birth at home. They don't listen. No one listens. They say if you give birth at home, you have enough to eat and at the birthing center, they will operate on you for no reason and it will be very difficult to manage that after you give birth. I tell them that if you go there, it will be better for the mother and the baby. They say it will just leave you weak and also that it will take money that they don't have. Nirmaya's sister-in-law, Dilmaya, says she wasn't worried at all when she realized she would have to give birth at home again because no staff were at the local health post. I wasn't worried. I was used to giving birth, so I wasn't worried at all. I'm really shy. I was shy when I went for my checkups. I would feel really shy giving birth there. Nirmaya says this shyness is another reason why women avoid health facilities, both for the recommended four pre-birth checkups and for delivery itself. Some go and others don't. Sometimes they don't go the same day but go later. But there are others who don't go at all. They say they have work to do and others are annoyed that they have to go so many times. I explain everything, but still, they say they are shy or fear that they will have an operation. They are also afraid of the costs. Sometimes at the last moment, some people here take women to the private clinic in Barabise, which costs a lot. Nirmaya attended her sister-in-law's delivery with Dilmaya's husband, so she knew that she took the misoprostol. But when we asked the health volunteer how many of the other pregnant women in her charge had taken the drug, she says something shocking. I didn't give it to the others. I gave it to my sister-in-law only. I didn't know. The role of local health volunteers, also known as FCHVs, is critical to maternal health. Yet somehow, no one had told Nirmaya about the crucial, even life-saving role that mesoprostol can play in home births. 
During the pilot program in Banque in 2005, FCHVs were given seven days of training, including three days focused on misoprostol. By contrast, Nirmaya tells us she learned about the drug only when staff from One Heart visited one month before we arrived in Chimling Village. Only 14% of women who gave birth in 2016 without a health professional received misoprostol, says the Nepal Demographic and Health Survey. Surya Bhatta, from One Heart, says he's even had cases where employees decide that women should not take the drug. One of my colleagues came to me. He was telling that we didn't provide the misoprostol, fearing that women will deliver at home. Our own staff did that. I'm told that local elected officials have used the same reasoning to decide to not purchase misoprostol for pregnant women living in their areas. It was only after Nepal held federal elections in 2017 that municipalities became responsible for providing the drug. Many had no idea how to do that, says Bata. Others didn't even know what it was. Whatever the reason, when One Heart surveyed health facilities in the 12 districts where it was working pre-COVID-19, not a single one had a supply of misoprostol. In January 2020, the government finalized its Nepal Safe Motherhood and Newborn Health Roadmap 2020-2030. It is surprisingly frank, listing current challenges to keeping mothers and children healthy. Some of them relate directly to what I learned in Chimling Village, such as, quote, Women's awareness about maternal health issues remains limited. Post-birth care is crucial for preventing maternal and newborn deaths, but current coverage levels are low. Access to health services has improved, but quality of care is still poor. The roadmap recommends that the oral mesoprostal program be scaled up and made available where skilled birth attendants are unlikely to be available at home births. It also suggests that the FCHV program should be further strengthened, especially in areas with low care-seeking behavior and poor knowledge of complications, ensuring that FCHVs have accurate knowledge and can communicate this information effectively. Surya Bhatta says that for the people living in the remote hill and mountain villages where one heart works, Access to healthcare is just one of many challenges. There's a lot of things, you know, it's not only access, it's also the, the complex socio-demographic challenges you have. Poor people, less educated people tend to, you know, seek less healthcare. There's so many, you know, layers, so many challenges, which we don't see as an outsider. You know, your age, your education, poverty, Caste is very dominant in Nepal. You know, lower caste people tend to seek less care. There are those kind of barriers where we have really hit. Besides the barriers that block women in hill and mountain districts simply getting to health facilities, age, economic status, education level, and caste 
are other challenges that the system needs to hit or overcome, according to Bata. About this time last year, I interviewed Lubna Baki, country representative of UNFPA Nepal, about how COVID-19 might affect the country in coming days. Near the end of our conversation, she said something that has stuck with me. I think there's some issue around just valuing women's lives, because at the end of the day, all of this is about what you prioritize and where the resources go. And repeatedly, for women to die of something preventable is not acceptable, Baki told me. We hope you've enjoyed this field report from Nepal Now. Please let us know if you'd like to hear more episodes in this format. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Nepal Now or Nepal Now Pod. You can also leave a voice message on our webpage, anchor.fm forward slash Nepal Now. We've posted photos from Chimling Village on our social media. Please check them out. We'd like to thank One Heart Worldwide for their cooperation, especially Surya Bhatta, for frankly sharing his passionate opinions on maternal health, and to Babita Bindu, for leading the trip to Chimling Village and providing interpretation. We'd also like to thank Kutumba for permission to use their song, Pariwartan, or Change, which you're hearing now, in this episode. And to Saraya Logan for her work on Nepal Now social media. I'm Marty Logan. I wrote and produced this episode and can be reached at marty at martylogan, M-A-R-T-Y-L-O-G-A-N dot net. I'll talk to you again soon.